Good morning, family. We've heard Danny say many times, the light that shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. So what better way to start Lifts in Sunday than looking at what the Lord has done right here at home at Shades. So I want to tell you some really fun things. Brace yourself. Are you ready? Because I'm kind of a nerd. So this is going to be fun and fast. So since January, we have had 1,453 new people come onto our campus for things like conferences, vacation Bible school, Sunday morning services. That's a lot of folks that have been here. Of those 1,453, 464 of them came through things that were offered in the CLC. Uh, The CLC is a place that the Lord has had his hand on for a long time. We turned 40 this year, um, and we have this long heritage of creating space for people to come and be together and to sharpen each other as iron sharpens iron and to point each other to Jesus in ways that makes us better and makes us more like him. And we have carried that heritage forward this year to do new things because of folks like you, folks who have said, I I don't know what or how, but I just feel like I need to do something. So however you can use me, use me. And we've done that. The Lord has provided us opportunities to do things beyond my imagination that just continually blow my mind. Um, There are three things specifically that we want to make sure everything we do covers. The first thing and the most important thing is that we are boldly proclaiming the gospel to everyone who comes on our campus. So that looks like a hundred kids that are with us every day for our after school program. That looks for two, like 200 kids that are with us in this summer. That looks like community folks who are coming in because they want to play basketball or senior adults who want to come and exercise, who have the opportunity to hear of who Jesus is and see who Jesus is by the way we love and care for them while they're here in our home. Y'all, the Lord has been so faithful in this. In our obedience to him, he has allowed us to see 16 new brothers and sisters join our family through baptism at the end of camp this summer. And his word does not return void. So when we are bold to proclaim it, he is faithful to draw people to himself. Um, And so we want to make sure that everything we do, we are stewarding these opportunities to share the gospel. We also want to make sure that we're providing opportunities for our family and for folks in the community to share their passions, to connect with other people um, and build relationships. So that looks like building an outdoor basketball court, and I'm sure you guys noticed it is covered up all the time. So creating space where we say, hey, we don't want you guys to just come here to exercise or to play or to do basketball. We want you to come here and and do life with us. So let's talk about Jesus. Let's do um, community groups. Let's do discipleship groups. Let's do all these things together using passions like basketball or fitness or reading books to kindergartners, the ways that the Lord uses our passions don't fit in a happy little box. And they're available for everyone. And the last thing, and the thing that I'm most passionate about, is creating a safe place. This world is hard. This world is broken. And this world feels like we don't belong. This is not our home. And for people who don't know Jesus, they don't know that their home is somewhere else. They try to fit the square peg in the round hole, and it doesn't work. So if we can use our home, our our buildings, our campus, just like Danny charged us last week, um, use this space as a mission space to charge us up and send us out. Y'all, we just need to send down to the end of the hill where the Lord is drawing people in, hundreds of people in, 
And so I want to challenge you guys, and I want to thank you guys for being a part of that, for boldly stepping into things that we don't always understand, for stretching ourselves and being obedient to say, Lord, I don't know, but but here I am. Use me in whatever way I can. So from folks who have signed up to drive buses, folks who have signed up to be a host home for a camp counselor, for folks who have come out to play with basketball with folks in the community, thank you for all that you've done to be obedient to what the Lord is calling you to do. If you feel like you, you just want to, but you don't know how, come talk to us. At the end of the day, at the end of the service, we're going to be out in the Connection Center. I'd love to tell you more about what the Lord is doing and invite you to come along with us in the process. Thank you. Almost three years ago, we made the intentional decision to become more involved in our community. The purpose of our community engagement ministry is to provide opportunities to build relationships that can lead to gospel conversations and give us an opportunity to be an influence for Christ in our community. You've heard Pastor Danny say that the light that shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. Our community engagement ministry gives us the opportunity to shine the light of Jesus' love through building relationships and being an influence for Christ right here at home. Today, I'm excited to share with you updates about four parts of our community engagement ministry, starting with our First Impressions team. Our First Impressions team meets the visitors that come onto our campus. They are the first impression that people have when they come to Shades. Our guys in the parking lot meet folks as they arrive on campus and offer them directions or assistance as they need it. Our folks that greet at the door offer a handshake, a smile, and a warm welcome as people enter our facilities. Our welcome desk people offer information about Sunday school classes, and they provide directions and a personal escort for the guests to a Sunday school class and introduce them to the director or the teacher. Our coffee team members arrive early. They make lots of coffee and provide a great opportunity for our members and guests alike to have some time to connect on Sundays before Sunday school or before our worship service. And then just last week, we debuted the newest part of our First Impressions team, our Worship Center hosts. These people are in the worship room before the service begins. They're ready to greet you as you enter the room, make you feel welcome, and help you find a seat. I hope you're able to see how easy it is to be a part of our First Impressions team. We try to make it fun. We try to make it convenient. As a matter of fact, it's the most convenient way you can serve at Shades because you're already here. We want to make you feel like you're welcome, and we want everyone to have a great first impression when they come to Shades. At the end of the service, I'll be at the Connection Center, and I'd love to tell you more about our First Impressions team. Next, our school adoption teams. We made the decision to be supportive and encouraging for teachers, administrators, and staff members at our local schools. We currently have six teams that serve across our community. In Vestavia, we're at the East, West, and Dolly Ridge Elementary Schools. And at Hoover, we serve at the Bluff Park, Green Valley, and Shades Mountain Mountain Elementary School. As a part of our ministry to these schools, we try to find ways to encourage and support the teachers that are there. We do this through providing snacks. We provide goodie bags with scripture verses attached. We're available for conversations to support the teachers and encourage them. And we provide classroom supplies as well. It might surprise you to know that there are families within a five-mile radius of our church that struggle for food. 
Each week, we provide 125 weekend food bags for children at the Shades Mountain Elementary School. These bags supply the children with food that lasts them from Friday when they leave school until Monday when they come back. Each week, Dylan Carson, my assistant, organizes this in our Sunday school classes, our MIT children, and other small groups provide these, prepare these baskets and bags for these children each week. Next, I'd like to tell you about our first responder team. Our first responder team provides encouragement, support, and appreciation for the people that protect us every day. We do this in lots of different ways. One of the most unique ways we do this is through the Cop Stop Meal Program. One of our Sunday school classes has taken this on. The Cop Stop Meal Program gives us the opportunity to provide the lunch meal for the on-duty shift at a particular time. And we have a Sunday school class that does this for the night shift for the Vestavia Police Department. The night shift eats their lunch meal between 1 and 2 a.m. And just in case you're wondering, there's not a lot of great opportunities to go out and get something good to eat at 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock in the morning. But this Sunday school class provides a nice home-cooked meal. The officers come into the home, and the, and the classroom, the class has an opportunity to provide encouragement and support and build relationships with these police officers. The other thing that we do that's really special for our first responders is we serve as the lead sponsor for Vestavia's community night out event, which was this past Tuesday night. The Community Night Out event is the largest gathering of police officers and firefighters all year long, and it's a great way for our community to gather together and express our appreciation and support to the folks that protect us. Finally, I'd like to share with you a little bit about our community events team. These are the folks that represent us at community events like the Community Night Out. They pass out information about our church, they engage in conversation, and they help invite people to come and experience worship at Shades. There's plenty of opportunities for you to be involved in this team as well. Finally, I'd like to say a personal word of thanks. You have given us great support in our community engagement ministry over the past few years, and I'm very thankful for that. The Lord has blessed our church with abundant resources and many people who have a heart to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community. If this is something you'd be interested in learning more about, I'd love to have the opportunity to share more with you. I'll be in the Connection Center right after the service. Thanks very much. For Live Scent, it is dealing, uh, impacting our community along with our city and our continent and also the world. You've already heard from Felicia and Tommy some amazing things that are happening in our community and also in our city. But I want to talk just briefly about our continent. Uh, 80% of uh, the people who live in North America live in cities, 80%. And those 80% live in about 32 cities in North America. And we believe that if you reach the cities, then you reach the people. And so I want to show you just graphically uh, as to what we're doing in connection with the North American Mission Board and their particular strategy. What you'll see on the screen is you'll see a picture of the 32 sin cities. They have broken the uh, uh, continent into five regions. You've got Canada, Northeast, you've got South, you've got Midwest, and you have the West. And within that are 32 sin cities. Our goal is that by the year 2026, we will have ministry uh, done in all 32 sin cities. We will have worked with the church uh, 
planter and that we would have some type of partnership with them. Let me just show you where we are with that right now. If you look on the uh, cities that we've covered in the first two years, we've done ministry in Toronto, New York City, Baltimore, Washington, D.C., Miami, Indianapolis, Columbus, Denver, and Tucson. And these are people that are church planters that we have worked with. I got a letter today uh, from Indianapolis, from the church that we work with up there, Living Faith, sending us a thank you note for the funds that we provided for them to move into a building in their short life of existence, they have worshiped in 19 different locations. And now they're together in one. And they sent me testimonies of people who'd made decisions for Christ. They've had 76 salvations in the life of that church. And we rejoice with them. And so that was through 2018. This past year in 2019, we worked with three other new partners. And uh, in Montreal, uh, we're working with Josias, who is planting a church there in Ontario. Then the next city that we uh, work with, is in Boston, and uh, we're with uh, Stephen Castillo, uh, City on a Hill Church. We started some work with them in 2019. We will continue it on. And then Ann Arbor, uh, it's Michigan, which the Sin City is Detroit, and it's Michael Geyer at Treasuring Christ Church. That's what we will be doing in 2019. In 2020, we have projection for three more cities to get involved with, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and also Atlanta, Georgia. And we are excited to have some of those partnerships and hopefully introduce some of them at our GIC, Reaching North America. It's a part of who we are and our church is fully engaged in supporting church planners in North America. But uh, we also have some amazing ministries right here in our city. And Tracy Hips, uh, Tracy, if you'll come up over here, uh, Tracy is is, uh, with the Christian Service Mission. If you'll just stand to my left, and uh, I, I feel like I'm a pretty good pastor, but I just got to tell you, Tracy, I called you up here, and uh, I have misled you, okay? Um, we thought that, Tracy thought that he was going to come up and give us a report on Christian Service Mission, but I'm not going to allow you to do that because I'm making a presentation to you. And uh, it's a complete surprise, is that correct? complete surprise. At the pastor's conference, uh, we had a, we encouraged everyone to give money to a ministry and it was a Christian service ministry. And there was about $10,000 that came directly from that offering. And we presented that check to you. When you come to the end of the day on a pastor's conference, you take all the receipts from people, the donors and sponsors, and you take all of the expenses and then whatever's left over we give to the ministry. So I'm excited today to hand you a check for $81,685 to Christian Service Mission for you right there, brother. Congratulations. This morning, we're going to hear some stories of things that God has been doing in the lives of people just like you. 
And so I've invited some people just like you uh, to come and sit and kind of share a little bit about what the Lord has done in their lives in the past year. They have um, nervously accepted that offer, but I have told them that you'd be a very generous group to speak with. So please don't let me down, okay? Um, If you would uh, just introduce yourselves and um, tell us uh, who you are, what you do, and how long you've been at Shades. Morning, church. I'm Ken Kenimer, Vice President of Marketing for Zenith Insurance Company. Terry and I have been part of Shades for, uh, well, quite a while. We're we're in the fourth quarter. (laughs) We we came to Shades in the early 80s, moved away to Florida, came back in the mid-90s. And for all of 2019, we've been part of our church plant at UAB, Antioch Community Church, and it's, uh, it's been an incredible blessing. Hi, I'm Terry Kenimer, and I'm a third grade teacher at Vestavia Hills Elementary West. I'm Loretta Latch. Um, I'm a registered nurse at Children's of Alabama, and I've been at Shades for about six years now. And I am Reggie Hatcher. I have, I have the privilege of serving the church staff uh, in our community. Uh, I joined the staff back in January of this year, and I served down in this community life center. So you can see uh, just very different life stages and uh, occupations here. And Ken, you've kind of led the way in this just a little bit, but tell us a little bit more about um, what you've done in terms of living scent over the past year. You guys moved to be a part of Antioch and are part of that core team, and that started back in December. Is that right? Yeah, well... My Antioch uh, sort of journey really started two years ago uh, during our Global Impact Celebration. Uh, I got to meet uh, Yale Wall and Evan Miller from Living Faith mm-hmm. uh, and, and visited with them during our GIC, spent some time with them, really was drawn to what they were doing up there. And um, it, it's funny how the Lord orchestrates things. Shortly thereafter, an opportunity comes up to go on a mission trip up to Indianapolis. And the Lord was pretty clear to me, you need, you need to go. So I went up there and helped with the men's conference, got to see what they were doing in their college ministry, and was very much impressed with that. Come back home, and the idea of planting a church at UAB bubbles to the surface. Terry and I go to a, a meeting where uh, Kevin and Allison Naylor shared their vision for planting a church at UAB, we felt drawn to it. We, we, we prayed about it. It was clear the Lord was telling us, go help them plant this church. So for this year, we, we've been part of that. The Lord has really blessed us. He's provided for us. We've gotten our on-campus status. We found a uh, spot on campus to, to meet at the rec center, a beautiful facility right in the heart of campus. And we just launched a few weeks ago. Um, but prior to that, we started as a, during the first part of this year, is a house church. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you ever get to be part of a house church or go visit one, I'd encourage you to do that. It was a true blessing. But we formally launched a few weeks ago. We've had great response. A number of uh, students have come to service. A number of those students have already plugged into our, our family group. So we're, uh, we're off and running at Antioch. Things are going great. And we just really appreciate all the support we've gotten from shades in the effort. That's, uh, it's been quite the journey for you guys. And just a little bit, I want Terry to you kind of share a little bit about how you guys ended up where you are with Antioch. But Loretta, will you tell us a little bit about what the past years looked like for you? Um, I decided um, missions has always been a big part of my life. Um, and I've always been a member of a mission trip. Um, but I decided uh, to step out in faith and the line, everything just kind of fell into place. And I ended up leading my first mission trip um, to work with the Pulse of Miami Church in Miami. 
And Todd um, and Michelle are here. And Todd and Michelle are here. Where you guys are. Todd Michelle Peterson. Todd's the pastor of the Pulse is in the back. One of our GSC partners, yeah. Um, and so it was just, um, I've been encouraged just to put my yes on the table and say yes to whatever the Lord um, asked me to do. And as he's, as I've led that trip, um, I'm now doing the ministry equipping center at Shades to figure out what is next in my life. Yeah. What about you, Reggie? Yeah, so um, much like these guys, uh, three or four years ago at GIC, I felt like God was really calling me to pay more attention to this calling for ministry. Um, and so uh, I joined the staff back in January. And uh, this past year has really been um, a year of intentionally using the space that we have at the COC to engage and minister to guys who don't come onto our campus on a Sunday morning or uh, Wednesday night. Um, so that's look like having open nights a couple nights a week. That's look like Monday, Monday nights we do something called round table, which is where we uh, provide a free dinner. And then we have a short Bible study and um, we go out and we play basketball. We've done lunches, we've done dinners. Uh, we're really using, taking advantage of the space that we have um, and the opportunity for these guys who they think it's just about coming and playing basketball. Uh, we see it as so much more than that. Um, and so we, um, these guys are not opposed to studying scripture. Uh, they're not opposed to um, talking about the gospel. They're looking for hope and purpose and meaning and all these things. And uh, we've had the opportunity to intentionally um, be creative and looking for ways to minister to these guys and provide that for them through the context of the gospel. So the, the steps that you guys have taken have all been very different. Um, you guys left a church that you have been a part of for decades, literally, uh, to go and be a part of a work um, with students that are generations younger than you are. It's a pretty big step. Um, Loretta, you've had this calling to missions and have really kind of leaned back into that. The Lord's resurrected that a little bit. And now you've been a part of leading a mission project and are just saying, Lord, I'm not really sure what's next. And Reggie, for you, this is landed in vocational ministry. You are on staff here at the church. And these are all very different things. But as we talked, there was this, there were some commonalities in what the Lord did to bring you each to these different places. Uh, Terry, will you tell just a little bit about what that's looked like for you and Ken? Yes. Um, as we were sitting in the pew several years ago, I just really felt God burdening my heart for the lost. And I've lived kind of in a bubble. I mean, my neighbors are basically Christian. I go to my school where predominantly most of the colleagues I work with are Christian. Then I've come to church here. And so even though I've got those people in my life that are lost, I just really felt like God was calling me and calling us to reaching out to the greater community. And when Steve Browning started talking about maybe taking over and revitalizing a church in Birmingham. Ken and I were both very interested in that. And so we would periodically ask him about it over the years. And it just seemed that God kept shutting doors for those particular, I guess, avenues of what he was trying to get started. And so when um, Kevin and Allison started talking about Antioch, we thought, well, you know, a bunch of college kids, I don't know, but we'll go listen and see what they have to say. And then I started thinking about what um, someone had been talking about at GIC. You know, Danny just mentioned the Sin Cities, and they talked about how the college campuses are enumerated with the Sin Cities Mm -hmm. because there are so many people there that are just truly lost and have never heard the gospel or have walked away from it. And, you know, Joyce, one of our um, congregants that was talking earlier in, in the 
video was talking about how vulnerable kids are at this particular age and how the world just tells them so many lies. And to be able to bring some truth to them, they're also at a stage in their life when they're willing to actually listen to what other people have to say. They're kind of exploring a lot of different um, ideas. And so um, we just felt like that was where the Lord was leading us. And it has turned out to be an incredible blessing. Mm. That, that passion for the loss and kind of restlessness to be mm. in that space. Right. Um, Trying to figure out yeah. where God wanted us to, to use that. And yeah. it's, it's not that we felt like we needed to do more. We just felt like we needed to do something different. Yeah, yeah, and this yeah. is what the different was for us. Didn't see it coming. And so Loretta, there's a little bit of that in your story as well. Just like what's next Yes. Um, you're still asking that question, just to yes, be clear, Yes, I still right? have no idea what's next. Yeah. Um, just putting my yes on the table, as Danny's told us a number of times. Um, but missions has always been a big part. I went on a first trip in 2011 with, to the Dominican Republic with Until They Know. Um, fell in love with the people of the Dominican, fell in love with the Hispanic culture. Um, wanted to, didn't know what that looked like. Um, and God just kind of, and I also said, I told God I did not want to do missions alone if he called me to missions. Um, I'm still single, so I still am technically alone by the world's standards. But over You know the, what happens when you tell God you don't yeah. want to do okay. <laughs> Over the um, past few years, eight years, um, God just kept that desire for missions burning. Um, in GIC in 2018, I opened up my house to host some missionaries from the Pulse of Miami Church. And that just kind of... Um, developed that relationship and um, my eyes were open that my community spreads out farther than just my community and my friends here in Birmingham and that if God were to call me outside of Birmingham into missions that I would not be alone and I do have that community um, with those people. I'd lead a, I get together with um, another person in the church here and then I meet with um, two people in Miami over FaceTime every week. We do a Bible study together and God's just used that to show me that my community is bigger than this. That's cool. How about you, Reggie? How'd you end up? Where yeah, I, um, so like I mentioned, three, four years ago, I felt um, that the Lord was using the GIC to call me to ministry. And um, like Felicia mentioned earlier, the church revamped that outdoor space. And so uh, I've been playing basketball up at Shades uh, with some people from the uh, singles ministry. Shout out. Um, and <laughs> and, and um, a couple, maybe two, two and a half years ago, um, Felicia and Clay Wyatt uh, approached me with the idea of, um, of intentionally using the gym to invite guys to come up and play basketball. Uh, and I thought it was fantastic. And so I uh, joined the team and um, I loved it. And uh, while at the same time was just really processing through what does this call to ministry look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm honest, I never would have imagined that um, getting to use something that I'm extremely passionate about, which is basketball, uh, could be an avenue, a bridge to which I could build relationships and share the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's cool to be able to say, like, you know, I get paid to play basketball. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the paycheck keeps me humble, though. So Watch uh, out. Now. Yeah. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> what else you want to say, Reggie? <laughs> Should I exit? Uh, this is a good time to transition. 
So seriously, if you think about, if you think about where the Kinemers, where Loretta, where Reggie are, um, this has all happened within the course of the last year. So 365 days have passed and they were all sitting in the pews just like you are today. Um, and the reason that we wanted them to share their stories is to say, look at what God can do in the course of a year when you just say yes. Yes, God, whatever you have for us, yes. And so what I'd love to hear from you guys is if you uh, were giving yourself advice, you're sitting in the pew a year ago, what would you say to encourage you and those of us that are here today, um, just as the Lord's worked through your journey, what encouragement would you offer to us? I would say when the Lord puts something in your heart, respond, pray about it, uh, go. Don't, uh, please don't feel like, like a lot of, like I sort of felt like a little bit, well, man, I really don't have my life together. I don't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. You don't need them. Mm-hmm. Just be responsive. If he puts it on your heart, go. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll, you'll be terribly blessed. Mm-hmm. I kind of go off of that. Um, just put your yes on the table and tell God that your answer is yes before you even know what the question is. Um, mm-hmm. And embrace the unknown and just... Um, if you don't have all the answers, you're not going to have all the answers. Mm-hmm. Um, and just take that next step and keep exploring the call that you feel how the Lord's leading you and just take the next right step. Yeah. Terry. I think too, to just be willing to get out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I said that if we were going to do this, I was going to say yes to everything related to Antioch. Hmm. When they asked me to do this, I was not happy. You didn't know that was part of the deal? Yeah, I was like, not that, no, not that. And he said yes, so here I am. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) What about you, Reggie? Um, I would say that if you're looking for um, where you can live sent, uh, maybe a good place to start is where looking at where your passion. That's good. Um, I think that God has clearly wired each of us differently in a different way in which we love and are passionate about different things. Um, and although there's no one else who's exactly like me or Chad or Danny or anything like that, uh, there are other people who share the same passions that we do. Um, and so I think it's, um, just really seeing, um, the, the, the space that's available to us, um, when we can, whether it's basketball, whether it's anything else that we can use, um, to use that passion to build relationships, uh, with people and to share the gospel with them. I think it's important for us to, um, um, if, if, if I were to ask somebody in this room, like, who, who likes basketball, there would be some hands that go up. And I think we could automatically assume two things just off of that, and that's both of us are deeply loved by God and that we are creating his image mm-hmm. and that we enjoy the same thing. And so I think that's a good spot, um, an easy <clears throat> end for us to be able to um, lift scent mm-hmm. and uh, reach our well for Christ. That's good, man. Um, I want to thank you for being willing to share your story, even reluctantly, Terry. Thanks for being up here. Um, And also just uh, the way that you have taken steps of faith and been willing before the Lord to do what he calls you to do um, is a testament to the Lord's work in your life, to who he is. He works among his people. Um, And just like he's worked in your lives, he will work in our lives when we say yes to him. So thank you. Will you guys give them a hand with me, please?
Hey, this is uh, Jeff Newman, and uh, Jeff just recently came back from a uh, mission trip to Nicaragua. Good. I told him I cannot say that word. Uh, there are certain words. He just can't get it. So I said, you got to go for it on that. Uh, Jeff came back recently from this mission trip. And so I really wanted him to share with you his story, his journey. And so, uh, Jeff, just tell us a little bit about how this journey began. Yeah, so um, my name is Jeff Newman. I've I've been a Christian since I was nine. Kind of sat stagnant for about 30 years. And uh, it began um, at Seeker Springs, going with my oldest son. It was, I went as a grunt not going to do anything, uh, really kind of gave me a push to change and challenge me. Uh, then that led me to go to man church. Man church led to, uh, tons of open doors. It led to a, a weekly Bible study with a, a couple of guys, Eric Allen and Joe Pfeiffer. It, we, it, it really pushed us and I started to grow as a Christian and I had not done that before. Uh, and then you've been there like like not stop talking about live since I can't get you like off my shoulder to, to go somewhere. So naturally from Seeker Springs, the natural progression would be to go to the uh, second poorest uh, third world country in Western hemisphere in Nicaragua. <laughs> now you went there with a ministry and the name of that ministry is what? It's uh, because we care ministry. They've been there 19 years. Uh, Don and Pam Gillette, um, and they are awesome people. He's a former drill sergeant in the military. So he's He's kind of scary at first, but he's been a preacher for 40 years, so that makes him a little easier That's to deal doubly with. scary, yeah. yeah. So, um, but they, they minister to 30 villages uh, all across the Chinandega region of Nicaragua, and they have done some amazing things. They are, they are passionate about what they do, um, and, and the, I asked him, I, t- I Facebook messaged him the other day and said, what could I share with our church? What do y'all need? It's not money, it's not resources, it's not anything like that. They need people. You know, they want groups from our church to go help. And so when you went there, what were the type of things that they had you do? Uh, We would, we would meet in the mornings with uh, church, uh, with schools. So we would play with kids, which is real hard to do, you know, so we would play with kids. Uh, Then we would feed a village, use this big pot, uh, make this big chicken rice mixture. And we'd feed a hundred to 200 people, got to hang out in the villages, hang out with the kids. And then um, at night we went and we, we did ministry work with uh, men's groups they had started D groups for men in these villages, and so that was our whole purpose: was to go and actually uh, disciple to those guys. It's so neat your story about how things stack on each other. You you do a Seeker Springs where you're working with children, and you're working with children on this. You're involved in Man Church and uh, dealing with men, and again in a D group with those guys. And now here you are helping lead that uh, overseas on there. So you went through this whole uh, ministry and uh, spent time with the kids and with the men. But it was interesting on your story. What I love your story so much, Jeff, is that uh, the yes that you gave did not end right there in that country, did it? No, absolutely not. I, I was scared to death to go. Um, I've got Crohn's disease and I'm sitting there going, okay, I'm going to go to a third world country with bad water. I'm going to end up in a Nicaraguan hospital. I'm going to end up in a jail somewhere. I'm never coming back. Um, so I'm freaking out, trying to get out of it. We had a 530 flight and I figured, okay, if I oversleep, then I don't have to go. So literally the last night before I was trying to get out of it, but I, I couldn't sleep, so I couldn't use that as an excuse. So I went... But as we're coming back, there's a three and a half hour drive back. Um, and this kind of shows how God opens doors. I, I was talking to a guy that lives in Vestavia and we're driving back to Managua to the airport. 
And I said, you know, what I really want to do is I want to come back here because the last day I got to play catch with this kid, play baseball with him. And so that's my passion. And I was like, I want to go back and do baseball. And I also want to do something here with uh, Vestavia Hills High School baseball team. And so I was like, I don't know how to get it started. He's like, well, you'll figure it out. So we're in baggage claim in Miami. And this guy that looks like he's from Duck Dynasty comes up to me and he goes, y'all sound like y'all are from Alabama. And I was like, well, you really sound like you're from Alabama. (laughs) So... He comes up, and I said, well, what do you do? And he goes, well, I'm, I'm about to move to the Chenandega region full-time to start ministry with full-count ministries. And I was like, full-count? That kind of sounds like baseball. Please don't ask him what that is. And I said, well, what is that? And he said, it's a baseball ministry. <laughs> we bring baseball teams from the U.S. We, start, we use that as an opportunity to kick doors in and have disciple groups with these villages. And, by the way... In Tennessee, we do all these D groups with these high school baseball teams. And so we, and I'm like, I I just want to go take a nap. I want to go home. I don't want God to tell me what I got to do next. But um, it's it's opened up doors. I mean, it's opened up huge opportunities. We had our first D group with the varsity baseball team about two weeks ago and had 17 guys there. And it's it's awesome. It's awesome what, what you do if you get out of the way. Goodness. So all of a sudden, you've got the resources, you're starting to do a ministry here, and then are you heading back over there? Uh, yeah. The, well, so I told them, I don't know if I've told my wife completely, but I told them, <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't worry, Lauren, I don't know where you are, but I, we are, I, so I committed to take a team next summer um, to either Honduras or Nicaragua. And if you can say Honduras better than we'll... I can. Honduras, I got it down. You can go there. We may go there instead. And then also... Um, my whole family, we're, we're considering going back for a Christmas project with Because We Care Ministry, but then the summer we'll do something we'll full count. Man, that is incredible. So uh, just summarize it. What kind of challenge would you give us for Live Sent? Um, I guess what I would say is, you know, sometimes we get scared to go out of our comfort zone. And if you put one foot out, it's not going to work. Because when you go two feet out of your comfort zone, it, it really becomes comfortable. Um, we just have to kind of Put ourselves out there and then let God do the rest. And that's, that's what I would encourage anybody to do. Because if there's anybody that's scared, it was me. So um, just don't let your fear overtake what you can have um, opportunity-wise. That makes sense. Great. Uh, give a big hand for Jeff over here. Thank you, man. So good morning. I'm here with Kim and Jordy Henson. And they have been living sent for several years through a special ministry in our church. Jordy, you've got a shoebox there. Tell us a little, about, a little bit about this ministry. Sure. Um, this is Operation Christmas Child, which is uh, under the auspices of uh, Samaritan's Purse, which is a Franklin Graham ministry. Um, and uh, basically the ministry is you take a shoebox. We've been doing this for... 20-some years, you take a shoebox and you fill it with trinkets, with toys for kids, gloves, socks, um, hygiene-type products, and uh, you turn it in, and what the ministry does is they distribute these all over the world to children that are in need and uh, in difficult times, and they meet a need, and then they share the gospel. Now, I'll tell you the boxes are neat and nice now. I think when we sent them, I think we sent a Nike shoebox about 20 years ago, which is not what they wanted to represent to the world. And uh, so now they've got a real nice box for you to fill and, 
and send out. And it's just a great ministry opportunity to, to help meet a need and to share the gospel with a hurting child. So, Kim, there was a special, a special aspect to this ministry for you. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, yes, yeah, so we wanted to teach our children at the beginning um, from an early age about the gift of giving <clears throat> and giving to those less fortunate. Um, in Luke twelve forty eight, it says, to whom much is given, much is expected. So when our girls, now they're in their 20s and the boys are almost close to the end of high school, but back in 1998, when we packed a particular shoebox, they were five and under, the girls were five and under. But we um, were here on Wednesday nights and active in church, and there was an opportunity for them to pack shoeboxes, at least the older two girls, Heather and Holly. Hope was still very, very young. But they all three packed a shoebox according to their age for a little girl, and they enjoyed it. It was easy for them to do, and they they tried to write a letter. Of course, they weren't old enough, but they drew a picture, and then um, we took a picture of them, and... um, put their name on that picture from Birmingham, Alabama, and had no clue where it would go. But from then on, every year, we encouraged this ministry because it was easy, it was something they could do, and it represented giving to those less fortunate. And then something really amazing happened. We're about to see a video of the next step in this ministry. You want to set that up for us just a little bit? Sure. sure. So I guess 18 years ago, the girls... Uh, packed uh, probably a Nike box and um, put in it some socks and um, put in it a picture of our daughters. It said, uh, praying for you, Heather Holly Hope Henson, Birmingham, Alabama. And unbeknownst to us, that box ended up in war-torn Kosovo. And an eight-year-old, seven, eight-year-old little girl who was distraught with uh, just the battles of war, the struggles of life, got her first Christmas gift, which was a Christmas box from the Hensons that the Lord had directed us to pack because he knew this girl needed that box. And it changed her perspective on life. She realized that people in the world did care that she was loved and she was shocked by the fact that someone would give up their socks to give her socks because she didn't have any. And her whole perspective on life changed to such an extent that you fast forward 15 years later and she ends up getting relocated and moving to Orlando, Florida. And she began a process of trying to find us Um, She kept the picture all those years. And um, so she would Google Heather Holly Hope Henson, Birmingham, Alabama. Well, we intentionally kept our kids' names off the Internet for protection purposes. But uh, not long ago, uh, well, long ago, we, we had a young man that came to live with us, Dawson Ray. And the church did a story on Dawson, and they put it on the Internet. And about a year ago, she was searching on the internet. One night, she was having a tough day, and she searched Heather Holly Hope Henson, Birmingham, Alabama, Googled it, and Dawson's story came up. 
and we ended up connecting with her and ultimately flying her to Birmingham, and it's just been, she's part of the family. That's great. And so just so you can hear her voice, we've got a video that's going to help us understand what this meant to her. Hi there. My name is Kressa Sahachu. Um, about 18 years ago, I was born in Kosovo from Yugoslavia, and I received an Operations Christmas Child box with a beautiful picture of three uh, girls, um, Holly, Heather, and Hope. And I live in the United States now, and I've been searching for your family, and I found all three of your names on this website for this church. And I was wondering if there's a way to connect with the um, Hanson family. I just wanted to say thank you and share the picture that I still have with me. Thank you so much, and I hope you all have a blessed day. So, Kim, tell us a little bit more about what this has meant to you personally and how it's kind of changed your outlook on living sin. So I'm sure all of you all have at some point packed a shoebox in your life. I know we have packed many, many shoeboxes and have never been in contact with a recipient of that shoebox until now. Um, But we know it works. It touched somebody's life. It made an impact on her life. It gave her hope in a horrible situation. So I'm willing to pack shoeboxes for 50 more years if it just helps one person. Um, I came, we came to the church excited with this news. Obviously, the message came through the church, so they already knew about what was going on. And I said, we need to do this, we need to do this as a church. We need to do it church-wide. You know, the senior adults were already doing it at some point, and the MITs are doing it at some point, and several Sunday school classes are packing shoeboxes. But let's make this an opportunity for our whole church. So that's what we're doing, y'all. We just need to pack shoeboxes. If everybody in this sanctuary packs one shoebox, what an impact we can make. So that's my challenge to you all right now. Amen. And the, the beauty of it today is that there are shoeboxes available in the Connection Center. Uh, and this is a wonderful ministry that all of us can do. So if you go back to the Connection Center after the service, pick up a shoebox, pack it, and the Lord will use it for his purposes. Thank you, guys. Good morning, church family. It is so encouraging to hear what God is doing in our church and around the world. My name is Jacob Simmons. I'm the minister to single adults in pastoral care. And this past year, I've had the opportunity to be a part of the leadership of the Men of Shades. And truthfully, once I convinced them that I was not 16 years old, that we've, we've had a great year. We've had a really good year. Uh, it's been good. One of the coolest things is to see how God has called and shaped these men to live in their spheres of influence for Jesus. Uh, one of the coolest parts of the Men of Shades particularly is hearing the stories of how God is using these men. And one of them will be, that we're about to hear now, is about fathers in the field. This is an, an opportunity for God-called men to mentor fatherless boys. Uh, and Riley's story is a, a really moving one because this was his story. of how men spoke into his life and how he's doing the same for a, a young man right here in our church. So we're excited to share this story with you all. Good morning. We are excited to be here today with Riley and Lofton and Susanna to talk about fathers in the field. 
So I'm going to start with you, Lofton. What is Fathers in the Field? It's something where kids whose fathers are away that other fathers um, can like help with doing fun stuff for the kids. Since their fathers are away, they can't do stuff with them. Susanna, what is Fathers in the Field? Fathers in the Field is just recognizing that there is a gap in our family right now and stepping in to kind of meet that need um, and especially what that might mean for Lofton right now and um, just being there for him, being consistent and providing lots of really fun activities too. All right, let's just brainstorm some other fun activities that you and Riley could do in the future. Mom, we're going to brainstorm for just a moment. How about skydiving? That sounds so fun. Oh yeah? Riley, you up for skydiving? Riley, will you tell us what Fathers in the Field is and why it was a ministry that you wanted to be involved in? One of the reasons I was drawn to it was when I was, uh, when I was Lofton's age, my dad left. A couple of uncles that lived in the area that really took me in. And it kept me from being bitter and it kept, gave me, they were my father figures. So. There will be like processing and grieving. I think bitterness comes when you feel like you missed out. But when people step in and you don't miss out, then it lets you just move on and it lets you realize that God provides for you in all sorts of ways, but He always provides. When I was contacted about Fathers in the Field, I was knew that this was one of the ways that God was providing for our family, for Lofton in particular, living out that even though this is a broken world and things are not going to go perfectly, that God's love for us remains and His desire to provide for us in loving, practical ways remains. And even if it doesn't look the way we think it's going to look, we can see His faithfulness. Scuba diving. Riley, what would you say to other men who are looking to serve and have time why they would get involved in Fathers in the Field? We're called to be leaders, every man in the church. And there's not, to me, not a better way to be a leader than to mentor the next generation. There's this need. There's kids out there that need a father figure. And they, and there's so many that are falling away from the church now because of lack of a father figure. So we need somebody to step in and to mentor these kids because these kids are begging. I think a lot of people are willing to help. It is so hard to ask for help. It is incredibly difficult to humble yourself and ask for help, especially when you feel like you have to do it over and over again. And however it came about, like I don't know all of the details, but somehow in our church community we were seen and this need was seen. And they came to us and said, like, we, we see that there's a need here and we want to help. It was a need and we did need it met and we didn't have to ask for it. And so to be part of a church that's just got its eyes open and is looking around, not, you know, not even to other parts of the city, but just looking over the pew to the next person and just recognizing there's a way that, that we can help. And so that just really has been the hands and feet of Jesus for us. What do you think you've learned spending time with Riley? I've learned more about God and learned more Bible verses and more things that you just need to know about God and other stuff. I've learned that we're a good team and it helps to have somebody else with you and doing stuff. Shark diving. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> or spearfishing. Spearfishing. Wrestling out.
That is an amazing ministry, and uh, we um, challenge uh, other men that may want to be involved in this. We, uh, we need some more. Uh, we're having a number of uh, single moms that are coming to us, and so we would love to be able to have some more men to step up. Uh, live Scent happens in a lot of different ways, and sometimes Live Scent happens during difficult days. And this is Drew and Sarah Franklin, young couple in our church, uh, who've had to walk through some challenging times with and, uh, and experience their own lived sense. So Sarah, can you start us off and just tell us some about your story? Yeah, I'd say Drew and I met in college and fell in love and we got married shortly after college and we had our life plan. It was, let's get our careers underway. Let's um, wait five years to have a baby and it'll be the perfect time. And I would say, you know, we were married five years and shortly after we're blessed um, to get pregnant and have a baby boy. And so, of course, you know, we thought the Lord's plans obviously match up with ours. This is perfect. So um, everything was, you know, going according to plan. And so um, a little shift happened last year, last August, I would say, um, uh, our baby boy was six months old and Drew woke up to me in the middle of the night convulsing and having a seizure. And typically I'd say we're, you know, both healthy people. So odd, he called 911, paramedics came to our house and I was rushed to the emergency room and, um, following a lot of testing, things like that. Thankfully, nothing came back alarming. Um, sometimes, you know, one in 10 people will have a seizure during their lifetime is what I've learned. So they said, hopefully this was your one. You know, sometimes lack of sleep or stress can cause a seizure. So make sure you're getting asleep. We know you have a newborn. Um, and hopefully this was just your one. So we thought, okay, but you know, the, one little hiccup came along with that because every when you have a seizure, it's against state law for you to drive for six months. So that causes a little bit of shift in just a lifestyle. And so thankfully we're blessed with um, Drew's parents in town, my parents in town, family, neighbors, friends from this church that um, you know were driving me where I needed to go, our baby, because Drew's on the road a lot for work. And so um, we just kept trucking. And so, but in November of last year, so about two months following that, I had some additional seizures. Um, and so every time you have one, your driving date starts over. So I was thinking, man, I was, you know, two months into this, we had four months left. Um, but again, I was looking, okay, I, I can't drive for six months. And I was working in a job that I would say was my dream job. It was for a PR firm with tons of clients that I loved felt like it was just, you know, my passion was really working and, you know, it was, everything was working out. And so why were these seizures happening? And so, um, anyway, just Drew and I really just after seeking some counsel and people, even not seeking counsel, especially some people from this church, um, really just speaking life into me and saying, Sarah, you need to, you need to make sure that your priorities are right. Um, making sure that, you know, work isn't first, you need your relationship with the Lord first, your family second, and then, um, you know, work following that. And so just after seeking much prayer and the Lord's wisdom, stepped away from work, which was reluctant because I felt like, you know, I'm going to show, I can do this. I can be a mom. I can work. I can do everything I need to and keep going. So, um, yeah, stepped away from work. And that was kind of a new shift for 2019. And so, Drew, you've had to pick up uh, some additional responsibilities and you're that big helper and everything's going great. And then another setback. Yeah, so 2019 happened. We thought it's a great fresh chapter of our lives. Here we are. Um, we're trying to adjust to some new life changes with 
figuring out what that looks like with Sarah at home. We're living off one income now. Good thing is we talked about budget when we first got married, that plan we've always talked about. Um, but then going into, uh, Sarah mentioned I traveled a good bit with work, going back and forth through the winter, going into the spring with Alabama spring weather, you know, sinus infection and pollen, everyone loves that, I'm sure. And um, I just started developing this increasingly over and over again. The sinus infection was just like, uh, just almost crippling me to the point where it's like uh, dealing with massive migraines, which I've never really got before. And it would, it would be often, you would find me at lunch just having to pass out on the couch at, the, at home just to kind of make it through the second half of the day. And with traveling a good bit, um, actually those sinus infections led me to the ER several times just because it would just debilitate me. And they ended up finding I was a massive sinus infection that uh, caused uh, sinusitis surgery. And recovering through that, everything was going smoothly. We were coming out of it, going into this, uh, the latter part of spring. We thought, what better way to celebrate recovery than go on an anniversary trip out of the country? And um, <laughs> uh, not to our plan, but um, unfortunately, I had another episode right there out of the country and had to make some adjustments to get back home. And on the last leg of the flight... I actually became unconscious, and Sarah um, somehow got me back to Birmingham, and our family met us at the airport and whisked me back to the ER and um, spent uh, several nights in the ICU, and uh, they could not figure out what was going on with, uh, with everything that was happening in my brain, and through several different um, hospital stays and a couple of weeks at another hospital, uh, they were able to diagnose that I had uh, actually had a brain infection uh, that was trapped up there, causing a lot of the external damage that people were seeing. But through um, through all of that, we ended up finding out we were pregnant with our second child. Um, Not in the plan. And um, <laughs> we're thankful. Yeah, and then, uh, but uh, the unfortunate side of that is through all the stress and just the things that Sarah was carrying. Also, with me being in the hospital, she uh, suffered uh, another seizure, uh, which caused a pushback again that driving date. So. Uh, we've got, we got seizures, we got a brain infection and we're pregnant with the second child. As you have taken all of this in, it is though amazing that you have been able to see God's hand through this. And so share with me how, how those next steps have been. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's definitely what we've learned over the past year would just be that, you know, the Lord is in control of timing. We cannot set, we can try to set our life plan, but it is ultimately up to him and his timing as far as what you know, his plans are as far as giving us children, giving us jobs, giving us marriage, anything like that. And so, um, yeah, I mean, sometimes when you're, when you're on seizure medicine, they don't encourage you to, um, conceive a child just because of some risks there. So of course, you know, we've just been blessed and thankful for some positive reports there. Um, and then, um, yeah, I was, you know, it was, it's been a hard year, I would say, because I feel like I, you know, got joy from working. And so, of course, I love the time that I've been at home with our baby boy over the past eight months or so. Um, But then just the way some um, things fell, I found out about a job opportunity with the Epilepsy Foundation of Alabama and um, recently started that about three weeks ago, being their executive director. And so basically it is a role where um, I am serving people with seizures and epilepsy in our state a lot of which, you know, don't have great access to medical care or have rare epilepsies with their children having 300 to 500 seizures a day, which makes my, you know, a few seizures this past year look very insignificant. And so um, it's just amazing to think that what I saw as a tragedy 
seizures has now turned into a ministry to where I can live sent through my career. Wow. And similar for you, Drew, as, as you look at what you've went through. Yeah, so being able to work through um, not only just the, the, the hospital visits and the, the illness that comes with that, but also being able to interact with my sphere of influence and also in the workplace and in our neighborhoods, but also being able to really talk to and be able to be more relatable to my one, um, whether it's through Sarah's uh, She's Her episode, having those conversations because, uh, you know, my one, um, his mom suffers through uh, epilepsy. And so just being able to break down those different barriers and having those conversations and, um, but also using, using the illness for his good and being able to, to continue those gospel conversations in the workplace. That is great. And we talk so much about being live sent, but uh, sometimes we don't understand what it's like to be the recipients of live sent. And so Sarah, why don't you share that with us? Yeah, I think when we were asked to share this Sunday, just the story of our past year, you know, I feel like, you know, there were points where I was like, okay, Drew, should we even tell the women's ministry or, you know, our Sunday school teachers or anyone that we're having, like Drew's going back to the ER? Because it just, it felt like we were always needing just prayer and stuff. It was almost like, oh, we don't need anything. Please, we, don't, we can figure out a rides. We can figure out everything out. But just, I would encourage you, church, a lot of you are plugged into Sunday schools, but I know some, t- some people aren't. I can't imagine going through this past year and a half without our Sunday school, the women's ministry, um, the staff that came to pray um, with Drew every single day while he was in the hospital, the random people that, you know, we, don't, we haven't even met a lot of you yet, but you were sending Drew cards in the mail while he was in the ICU for a few weeks. And um, I just wanna thank, we don't feel like we've been living sent. We feel like you, we wanna thank y'all for living sent to us. And um, y'all are doing a great job, so keep it up. Amen. Well, what I'd like to do is I want to take the privilege to pray for both of you and I want to pray for health situations and, uh, and for God's healing. I think your, uh, your um, seizure uh, date ends, is it October 20th? I can't drive again October 20th, so on two October weeks. 20th. So let's pray that uh, no more seizures till October 20th and on 21st. Be careful. She's on the road again. <laughs> All right. Let's pray. Is that okay? All right. Father, we are really thankful for uh, just uh, Drew and, and Sarah and to be able to share their story. And uh, Lord, we pray for their health situations. And I want to pray for Sarah. And I pray that there'll be total healing from these seizures and that she will not encounter those anymore. And that you'll allow her to get back and to not just to drive, but do the other things that, that she's so accustomed to. We pray for this baby, 30 weeks uh, old right now, and pray that you'll continue to um, knit this child uh, together in her womb and that. Uh, uh, and that uh, there'll be no effects from, from seizures and that you'll help her to go through a full term on this pregnancy. And I pray for Drew and I pray for the sinuses conditions that he dealt with this year and that as he circles around to new seasons that, uh, again, you will protect him from that and allow him to be in good health and to be able to serve you. But most of all, Lord, just continue to point them forward for how they can be live sent to share the gospel with others, to tell their story and, and to impact lives with the gospel. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Give a big hand for them.